0: Amen. Thank you, Bonnie and Linda. Also, Mike, I'm gonna let you answer that question next time. <laughs> Nobody right now. <laughs> All right. Um so as I'm sure you can see behind me on the screen, uh, we're gonna be having a, a break from Genesis today as we have a Father's Day sermon. Um Hallmark Father's Day Sermon, as I like to call them. But there's additions this time. It's different. I like to keep you on your toes. Um, so you have to decide what is new this year. Challenge. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. Or am I? I know, you can go back and look. Nice try, but No, you don't. Um, all right. Here we go. Today marks another holiday in our culture. Now, a holiday is just another way to say Holy Day, as we talked about with Mother's Day. Why do we call them as such? Because they are special days. They're unique from others throughout the year in which we dedicate to remembering something. Um, And we can think of examples. Thanksgiving, when we give thanks. Christmas, we remember Christ's birth. Veterans Day, we remember our veterans. Memorial Day, those who passed away while fighting. Independence Day, the day we remember our independence from Britain. And as we celebrate a few weeks ago, Mother's Day, when we celebrate our mothers. Now today is one of those days. Today is the day we take time to consider those who have been with us, individuals without whom we would not exist. And yes, the other side of the spectrum from mothers is our fathers. Fatherhood is something which our broader society has neglected in recent years. Like mothers and motherhood, fathers and fatherhood has taken uh, quite a beating from where it used to be. Whereas in the past, fathers were well-respected. All too often in the media and in culture, fathers are given a lack of respect. All too often, they are seen as the bumbling fools, um, the Homer Simpsons of the world, the guys who rarely try, and when they do, they just get in the way most of the time. Ask my wife. (sighs) You heard the giggle. So like mothers, fathers and fatherhood, in general, is in need of defending. It's a need not only of defending, but also of understanding. Where can we go for understanding the importance of fatherhood? Where can we consider fathers and fatherhood? What is the best place to look for understanding the concepts? Are we to simply accept what the culture tells us um, about fatherhood and what it is, or is there another place to look? Well, when we consider that fatherhood is a gift from God, then it seems the best place to look is in the scriptures, to help us understand what it means to be a father. I think a lot of times when we think about our fathers, the first thing that comes to our mind is Paul when he says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, there are a number of things to consider from this. The first is the necessity for children to obey their parents. The basis for Paul saying this is the Ten Commandments. Paul recognizes that of the Ten Commandments, it is this one which comes with a promise, that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. The promise, then, is that they would have a long life, as well as a blessed life. Obedience to our parents clearly has importance to God. He wants us to obey our fathers. He wants us to especially honor them in this way. It is honoring to our fathers when we take heed of their wisdom and their knowledge, when we seek them out for understanding, and when we obey them when they speak to us. However, that does not mean that fathers are to act in any way that they want. While it is true that we are to obey them, that does not give them free reign to do things as they see fit in their own eyes. Instead, we are told that they are to not provoke their children to anger. Thus, fathers should refrain from doing things which would cause their children to look scornfully upon them. Being a domineering father can have this effect on children. Being a father who does not love can do this as well. A father who only makes jokes all the time can do this. The goal for fatherhood, then, is not to cause your child to hate you, or to do things which would cause them scorn or anger. Instead, there is a better way. And Paul recommends it by saying, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Notice, Paul does not say, do not discipline your children. He does not say, give them everything that they want. Instead, he calls on fathers to bring their children up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The Lord disciplines He chastises his children. However, the goal for such discipline is not for us to hate God, but to see difference between what is right and what is wrong. The scriptures teach that God disciplines those he loves. Why? Because discipline teaches us when we are in the wrong so that we can be in the right. But it does not end with discipline. They're also called to bring up their children in the instruction of the Lord. Do you know what this means for fathers? It means that we have a responsibility to teach and train our children in the ways of God. We have a responsibility to teach our children about the God of the universe, the God who has revealed himself in the scriptures. What does this require of us? It requires us to be knowledgeable about God ourselves. It requires us to be willing to learn more about God so we can further train our children in his ways. It will not do for us to be stagnant in our knowledge of God, because then our children will become stagnant as well. Instead, we are to continue our own pursuit of the knowledge of this God. Do you know what this means? It means we are to be theologians. Theology comes from two Greek words, theos, which means God, and logi, which means to study. Thus, theology means the study of God. To be a theologian means that one studies and gains knowledge in knowing God. This means we need to read our Bibles, but it also means we need to be aware of our church history. It means being willing to teach what we have been taught, but also making sure that what we teach and what we have been taught are right. So from this we learn a few important things. The first is our fathers are to be honored. They are there are fathers for a reason, after all. God has placed them in our lives for his glory, and we can be sure God would not make such a mistake as this. They are to be disciplinarians to train their children, but also we need to remember that fathers are called to be theologians, to understand God and seek God and know about, more about God as they continue forward in their own lives. This, of course, leads to another point found in these verses, which is fathers are called to be instructors. But before we reflect on that, it is not only in this text we find this to be the case. Consider uh, a few from Proverbs. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are graceful garland for your hand, head and pendants for your neck. Hear, O sons, a father's instructions, and be attentive, that you may gain insight, for I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. A primary purpose of our fathers are to be theologians, and because of this, they are also called to teach. We saw how Paul used this same concept when describing um, the father's role of instruction. I find this to be interesting within the context of modern society. Why is that? Well, consider society. Who are the ones who teach? Teachers. They are the knowledgeable ones who have all the information, Parents, especially fathers, are not seen as instructors anymore. They are seen as providers at best. Yet the scriptures are clear that fatherhood involves teaching, taking our children under our wings and showing them the paths that they should follow. It is not surprising that this is the case. Fathers are important for our development as human beings. They, like our mothers, are the foundations on which knowledge begins. How they train us, then, will have repercussions for the rest of our lives. We see this in society at large, as generational habits form for both good and evil. Fathers have a responsibility to make sure that they are training their children in the right and good ways of the Lord, helping them form habits within their children which are good. This makes me think of a recent Facebook post of one Carl Moser, and I shared this last year, but it's so good I have to share it again because it makes me so happy. Um... Now, none of you know Mr. Dr. Moser personally, but in a way you do know him because he is a great friend of mine, um, and over the years, he's been a great teacher, good father figure type of person. And I first met Dr. Moser at Eastern University, where I took his course in the New Testament book of Hebrews. From that, I met an individual who cared deeply for glorifying God through his work and education. As time went on, Doctor Moser and I became good friends, and he even officiated Chris and I our wedding. But as I've said, it isn't just Doctor Moser's rigorous ethical conduct or his care uh, for scholasticism and scholarly work; it was also that he wanted to glorify God in all of his life, not just in his work, but also with his home life, being a loving um, husband to his wife Elizabeth, and. Blessing his children. And he has six, I think. (laughs) Well, enough about the man. The point of all this is that recently, or within the last year or so, uh, some Jehovah's Witnesses came to his door. And this is what he says took place. Catechizing in action. The Jehovah's Witness at my door observed that most people have no hope, don't know how to deal with the loss of loved ones, and have no source of comfort. I agreed. I agreed. Turned to my 10-year-old son, Silas, and asked, What is your only comfort in life and death? Without missing a beat, he answered, That I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood, and has set me free from all the power of the devil. He also preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair on my head... Shall fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. The JW couple, Jehovah's Witness couple, thought his answer was spot on and beautiful. The Heidelberg Catechism, question and answer one, remains one of the best theological statements ever penned. He was quoting from a 17th century, I think, (laughs) catechism, verbatim, (laughs) 10 years old, 10, and he said that to them. So I shared that story as an example. Some might hear this story and think, wow, what a bright young boy. But I think that would be mistaken. While it is true we often give credit to those youth who are bright, I think we can often, at the time, think far less of our youth than we ought That is, this kind of catechism teaching and training, it was common up until fairly recently. What has happened? Why is it that we consider this youth special when it was normal at a point in time to teach our kids these things previously? When it was normal for 10-year-olds to say these things? Because of these things, I think it rests more with the parent than the child. You see, if my friend Dr. Mosher wasn't interested in training up his children in the way that they should go, and instructing his children in the ways of God, then it is far less likely that young Silas would have had the answer available to him for such a significant question. But as it is, he does care, and does want his children to be raised in the knowledge of God, and because of that, he has encouraged and taught them the value of knowing God, and knowing about God. He has instructed his children in wisdom, in the Bible, in beautiful texts of church history, and has clearly benefited them and brought much glory to God. Now, the truth is, these things are not merely applicable to our biological fathers. Consider what we read in 1 John two twelve through 14 I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the father. I write to you, fathers, because you show him who is from the beginning. Know him who was from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. And also consider 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2, where we read, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, in all purity. In these verses, we find hope on many counts. The first is for those who feel as though they have failed in some capacity with fatherhood in general. The simple truth is, it is never too late to be a good father in the church. Those in this younger generation are in need of seeing men of faith who have persevered, whom God has persevered. Men who are faithful to Christ, who give their lives to obedience to him by loving their wives and teaching their children. There are those who are like myself, who are younger, who always need to be reminded and taught this. In that sense, you older men are our fathers of the faith. You older men must make your shoulders strong for the next generation of Christians, for the benefit of this congregation, and for the glory of God. Whether these are your biological children or not does not change the fact that you are fathers to those of the younger generation within the church. Not only fathers as fathers, but grandfathers to each of us as well. So we see how this gives each of us further hope. For one, let's say that you didn't have the greatest dad growing up. Maybe he wasn't around. Maybe he didn't do a great job teaching. Or the teaching and instruction he gave were harsh. And it caused you more pain than anything else. Well, here in the church, by God's grace, you will find fathers who will take care of you. Who will watch over you. Who will love you and cherish you, instructing you in the faith. This is their role. Their call, as older generation of men, to lead the younger generation in the truth for our benefit. But it also gives us hope for those who feel as though they could have been better, but weren't. Those who are biological fathers who failed. Well, here in the church, there is always redemption. Redemption. You can learn here from other men to how to be better. Not only uh, for your biological children, but also your spiritual children. You can continue to grow. Some might fear that there is no hope for change. But in Christ, we know change is possible. It does happen. Likewise, it gives us hope for this family of believers. It reminds us we are not alone on this road of faith. We who are younger have this older generation to see what it looks like further down the road, to encourage us and guide us further on the path. Though things look dark for us, though we struggle, we know that the men before us have struggled too, and still God has kept them in his grace. Thus, we should find peace in our elders as they train us not only intellectually, but in the very reality of God and what he bestows upon us. Finally, the verses we just looked at, from Timothy especially, remind us of something more. Even if you have had no biological children, in the church you find children aplenty. Because you elder men of the church are father figures to each of us and to our children. Thus, even those who have no children become fathers in the church. And it is a glorious and beautiful thing to consider that God in his own way redeems childlessness in his congregations. Praise God for this. Now one final thought that comes with Father's Day is found throughout the New Testament. And it is something which we find in the Lord's Prayer as we pray it every Sunday. Our Father who art in heaven. The concept of God being our Father is strong within the Scriptures. But especially in the New Testament. It stems from Christ, His atonement, our redemption through His blood. It is through Christ we are able to pray to God as our Father in heaven. The concept of God being our Father has direct ramifications for us. It means that we are no longer merely created beings. Instead, it means that God looks at each one of us who are in the faith as his own children. It means that when he looks at you, if you are in Christ, he sees his own child whom he loves. Often we can think that is the case with all people. But the truth is, in the scriptures, it's very explicitly taught that it is those who are in Christ who experience this love of God. And it is a love which is unlike any other kind of love. For no other love can be as complete as the love of God for his Son. And hence, no love can be as complete as his love for each of us who are in Christ. Thus, above all in the church, above all other fathers, is our great God who loves us as our Father. For those of us who are fathers here on earth, it is to him we look when we want to understand what it means to be a father for our children. It is he whom we are called to reflect. We consider his ways, how he is gracious to us, loving toward us, who disciplines us, encourages us, teaches us, abides with us, is compassionate towards us, so we are to be toward our children. We have the greatest teacher when it comes to fatherhood, and again, that is God himself. It also means no matter the circumstances, we can be sure that we are not fatherless if we are in Christ. We all have our Father in heaven who watches over us with his grace and peace. This also reminds each of us men that fatherhood is not something trivial. It is, it is a reflection of God himself. Thus, it is no small thing to be a father. It is a high calling, a great blessing to be a father. And because of this, we should strive all the days of our lives to be the best fathers we can be for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now know our Father in Heaven and for the benefit of our biological and spiritual children. Indeed, we can reflect these very things onto our children. In this way, they will become themes which are familiar to them. For our young boys who will become familiar with strength, wisdom, knowledge, grace, peace, and love, and grow into men who follow this good and godly path. For our young girls, who not only learn to walk in the same way as they become women, but will then seek out such men in their lives for marriage, because it will be familiar and comfortable for them. In a world in which so many men and women are abused and heartbroken... I can think of no better medicine than familiarizing our children with these things. That said, fatherhood is no easy thing. It comes with its fair share of heartaches. It comes with sorrows. Watching our children grow old, knowing that each one will experience their own sorrows, recognizing that there will be times when our children must face things on their own. Our hearts break for them, knowing that each will experience life and knowing how much hurt there can be in life. If that is the case, if our children must face a dark world, then let us continue to shine the light of Christ on them that they may find their way homes in the darkness, giving them strength for the future, letting mercy lead, and letting grace be in every one of their steps. My hope is that we would remember our fathers fondly, Not just our biological fathers, but also those who are our spiritual fathers. All those men who have watched over us over the course of our lives, and that we would give thanks to God for them. No Christian is without cause of praise for fatherhood. For even if we have had imperfect fathers, or even if we have not been perfect ourselves, or even if we have had no biological sons or daughters, We know our great Father in heaven who watches over us in love. So today, celebrate fathers. Pray for them, that they would receive wisdom and grace to continue to lead their families further into the gospel of Christ. Encourage them each day to remain faithful to the calling of what God has called them to be as fathers, honoring them in that calling. To all of our fathers, both spiritual and biological, those who have affected me personally, So greatly, every single man of this congregation, I give thanks to each and every one of you on behalf of all of those whom you have touched. May God be with you today and all the days of your lives and that each of you receives continued blessing in your faithfulness to God and your faithfulness to each of us. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for this day as we remember our fathers, remember those who have taken us by the hand to lead us further into the truth and the knowledge and the wisdom and love of you. And so, Lord, as our Father in heaven, we ask that you would bless our fathers, that you would be with them, that you would guide them, and that you would continue to change their hearts, that they would seek you and you alone, and that as they seek you, their families would seek you as well. We thank you, Lord, for all of these things. We thank you that you have given us such a great gift to us. And it's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Please rise as we sing our final hymn.